trying to find some ways, you know, there's groups like RMEF who have gone out and they've actually acquired some of this land and worked with landowners. And then there's also like state specific easement programs where maybe the landowner doesn't open up their entire piece, but they actually put an easement across these corners so then folks can cross and go hunt them. And so those were the things we really wanted to explore because they're the most it's the most success we've seen to finding a solution. Really where we feel like we can be the most help is going to, you know, we have relationships with state agencies and government agencies and stuff like that is like, all right, we'll provide as much data as possible to help out in this conversation. And we will try to connect as many dots as we can to try to find a solution to this. Right. And so really that's where we've been taking it is we'll get you all the information we can, whether it's corners, whether it's how many easements that exist, how much land we're talking per state. And we'll provide this to anyone who wants it and try to help move this conversation forward. Social media is such a powerful tool and in some ways so great and in some ways so terrible. It gets information out there so much, it makes everything so mainstream. And I think, you know, it's just as this is happening, there's just more and more awareness around these issues and both positive information and negative information and various degrees of accuracy of that information. You know, the biggest thing with it is like, there are some ways that, you know, folks can be more confident in these and that's, you know, do the research, figure out in the state you're at, like what type of land are you working with? What are the access points? Talk to the game wardens, talk to the state agencies, get as much information you can. Take your thoughts and send those to the people at power who can actually help figure out this solution. You know, whether that's a state representative or state, you know, game fish agency, whatever it may be, like they're not trolling through social on all the comments. Yeah, they might see if it's on their actual social platform but even then that's just the social comment that's not like an actionable comment coming from an individual person sending those directly to them will be much more effective welcome to days in the wild big game hunting podcast i'm going into my 15th year of podcasting can't believe it's been that long i want to thank you all for helping me keep this fresh and staying motivated to bring you new content etc it hasn't been easy but uh, it helps me fuel my own passion for hunting. Speaking of helping me keep this going, please go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags and use promo code John Stallone, all one word, to save 20%. And lastly, if you could, go to Howl for Wildlife and become a member. We have partnered with Go Hunt, so now you could get your cake and eat it too. What, I, what do I mean by this? Well, you can go to Go Hunt and... If you look at their Insider full subscription, it's $149. And with the Insider, you get the Explorer as well. So we have both packages. But Explorer is is their mapping software. And it's completely dedicated just to hunting. You know, it's got the public and private land boundaries, offline maps, 3D, point tracker, and all the Western states are included. It's a, it's a great tool. So you get that plus with the Insider, you get the advanced filtering and search tools, industry leading draw odds, unit profiles, and uh, easy to read state regulation overviews and species profiles and expert insights and all this exclusive content plus monthly giveaways. So the Go Hunt Insider subscription is an awesome deal, right? But it's $149 a year. And if you've been on the fence and didn't know you, if you wanted to 
spend that $149, let me tell you, it's wor- really worth it. But we're going to make it even sexier for you because if you come to Halfa Wildlife's site and you go to our membership portal and purchase a insider or a explorer package, you not only get a free subscription to go hunt and get all those awesome benefits that we talked about, but you get all the benefits of becoming a Howl for Wildlife member. And that includes our discounts with our partners, 20% or more with our partners. You are automatically included in the Howl for Wildlife giveaway, monthly giveaways for gear and hunt giveaways for the year. Plus, as a 501c3, your portion of your membership is tax deductible and you're helping out a great cause. Alpha Wildlife is out there advocating for the hunter and helping educate the non-hunting public so that uh, we can keep doing this for for perpetuity here and so that our kids and our grandkids can enjoy it. And uh, it's a really great system and we're super thankful that uh, Go Hunt jumped on board with us and um, it's a great way to support Halfa Wildlife. It's a great way to get awesome tools that you will use. I use Go Hunt Insider all the time. I've been a member for a very long time and it's how I get a lot of my tags by doing the research through there. And now you're getting extra stuff with it. So it's a great, great system. So go check it out. Become a member today and uh, let's roll into this next episode. Thanks. Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today we're going to talk about uh, kind of a a hot topic, you know, something that I've seen and heard quite a bit in the last few years, especially since the invention of uh, GPS mapping software and Onyx and so on and so forth. But recently in the last year, uh, we've had some pretty popular things pop up with the, with this with this subject and i got uh zach sandow with us on we're going to talk about uh corner crossing what's going on hey john thanks for having me oh no, thanks for being on man this is uh yeah, i've been seeing a lot of it uh i guess mainly because of what's going on when in in wyoming and we could talk about that and we could talk about it as a as a uh as a whole um, but, um, you know, I'd like to hear your take, but on it. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. This is, uh, you know, it's, this has been something that's been around forever. And I think as we started getting better technology with mapping and stuff like that, it, it you know, corner locked lands had been around forever. And I think there were people who saw it on paper maps and they were trying to navigate it, but it's not as, as easy. <laughs> more and more people, st- yeah. As more and more people started adopting, you know, digital maps and being able to see your location, it just made it clearly evident that there's, it, you know, it's very prevalent throughout the West. And so I think in the last, you know, ten to twelve years, I know, you know, for Onyx, for us, we definitely started hearing about it a lot more, and we started hearing about issues coming up a lot more. And I think it's just, you know, people started realizing and recognizing that there are a lot of land that, you know, has a corner that's kind of getting in the way from crossing. It's not as simple as just hitting a trailhead and accessing it. And so mm-hmm. obviously it's been very rebel, relevant over the last few, you know, year, but 
this is definitely something that's been around for a while. There's been many folks and issues that have come up from it, but it's one that, you know, I think will not go away and it's going to be a big issue for a while. Right. Right. Exactly. You know what, before we get a little too fur- much further down the line here, let's, let's get a little bit about yourself real quick, just so people know who we're talking with. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Zach Sandow. I actually live in Montana and I've been working for OnX for o- over seven years now. And so I manage the hunt marketing team, work with partnerships, and then just working on our product and trying to make it as good as possible for all our customers. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, I guess we could start off with the what the current issue is going on, and then we'll kind of look at it more of a on a broad spectrum. I guess just to kind of lay the foundation, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but there was uh, what four guys from Missouri or three guys from Missouri? Four. It was four. I think it was four. Yeah, yeah. yeah four guys from Missouri that were uh, hunting in Wyoming, and they were stopped by fish or the landowners caretaker or something like that called fish and game fish and game came out and said oh you guys are fine you're not doing anything wrong and then they called out the sheriff's department i believe and then the same thing the very next day the sheriff's department told them they were fine and then the third day they were cited with uh like criminal trespass or something like that or misdemeanor trespass or something along those lines exactly i don't remember exactly what it was but and it's became a big um, national case that people are following because of of the implications of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, you know, for us at OnX, this was definitely one that we heard of right away. And, you know, as far as information on this, uh, we have about the same information that everyone else does, just seeing all the media outlets covering it. But it sounds like, yeah, it was a I think they were actually, they hunted this area two years in a row, but then most recently on this last season, when this whole issue and kind of circumstances came about, it, they talked to game wardens, they talked to the sheriff, they talked to the landowners and the ranch managers. And so then it ended up going to court, I believe, and I got to, I'm trying to go back through the notes, but I believe on the trust on the criminal trespass side, that was they were not charged on that or they were charged, but not found guilty on that one. Right. I believe the civil stuff may still be going at this moment, but Mm -hmm. I'm not sure on that, but yeah, ultimately it was a super interesting thing. And I think the thing that's interesting about this one is each state's unique, you know? And so how each state handles this is different. There's been some like in my home state of Montana where, there's been someone who has been corner crossing and they've talked to a game warden and you know, they chose not to pursue charges at that point. And so each state's going to manage it a little differently, which just adds to the complexity of this issue. It's not kind of a one size fits all type thing. Right. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I've always, you know, shied away from doing it, just kind of erring on the, uh, the side of caution. Now, yeah. if there was like a little strip or something it's like a, it's very specifically actually to Wyoming. Cause this happens a lot in Wyoming. Cause you're like, you're like, Oh, Wyoming crap. There's like 800,000 people. So there's shit ton of land. Right. But yeah, 
<laughs> most of it's pub, uh, private, you know, it's like, it's crazy. And it's, and it is that checkerboard, that classic checkerboard, um, situation where the landowner really owns, let's say a thousand acres, but it's a 2000 acre parcel because every other square is public. Yeah. And it's very, uh, you know, frustrating from a hunter standpoint, because you see places that you want to get to that you know technically you're allowed to hunt, but in order to do that, you have this gray area. And yeah, so yeah, I, I've for the most part in my personal hunting, I've tried to avoid that situation unless there was like like you know the, this one place I hunt in in Wyoming. There's like a little strip. It's literally like shows like. 200 yards wide and i wasn't able to figure this out until onyx came about actually i I first got the onyx chip on my gps and that's what drew my attention to it because there was i kept seeing antelope in this one area and i'm like wow but i look at the map and i'm like yeah that's public over there but this is private right here from the road and i'm like how do I get there? And then eventually I was able to figure out that there's this like little, and I don't know if they did it on purpose, like as an easement, but there's a little strip. And the, the crazy thing about it is it, it would be like a, a mile or three quarter of a mile hike if I just went as the crow flies. And yeah. it ends up being like four and a half miles. <laughs> like it's stupid. Nobody, Nobody's ever in there hunting antelope because nobody wants to walk four and a half miles to go kill an antelope in Wyoming. But it's like, it's these situations that, you know, the, the technology has helped a whole bunch, but then there's, it also opens up this Pandora's box that we probably didn't see before because people didn't know how to navigate, like you said earlier, to precisely enough to go over the corner from corner to corner. Yeah. So. Yep. Exactly. And so, you know, for us, like for us at Onyx, so this is something that a couple of years ago we came out with what we called the Landloft Report. And so, what we tried to do is we had all this different data, and we could see private lands, we could see roads, we could see government lands, and so we understood that there was land out there that currently, whether it's a gray area or just legally, you can access. And, you know, like right now we're talking more corner lock stuff where there's just a corner separating it, but there is some land that's just surrounded by private land or some sort of, you know, thing that's stopping folks from accessing. And so when we did that report, we identified all this different land that are in, you know, the West, we started on the West and then we expanded. And so we looked at BLM and state specifically, and we started trying to figure out how much land in each state is actually at this point landlocked. And so some of this could be corner locked, some of it may not be because if it has a road, then that nece- that wouldn't necessarily fall in. So right away, we're looking at like a macro level landlock, and mm-hmm. it was pretty interesting. We ended up seeing that there was about 15 million acres in the you know 12 western states that were landlocked that you could not access, That's and crazy. so. From there, you know, we were able to identify like how many acres per state, some of the issues that came up and how, you know, how this came to be, all the different land transfers, stuff that happened with like, you know, corner locked lands where it's happened, you know, traditionally from like a railroad where they would have a section on each side so they can manage it and then they would sell the other pieces off. 
but then also like how do we get this like thousand acres of government land that's just surrounded by private and there's no access and ultimately it's just you know the way when the american west when we started moving out folks started acquiring land it just kind of was happenstance and how it got there and so once we were able to look at that and identify these landlocked lands we knew a key issue was going to be corner crossing and corner locked and so we actually put out another report that we were working on before this wyoming case came up but obviously these things take a little bit of time so we ended up releasing this a little bit after that broke definitely give us a sense of urgency to get it out but we started breaking down here's what the corner locked lands are and how many corners are we actually talking how many landowners are we talking how much land are we you know is actually locked up from this and so like for example on the wyoming case there's 2.4 pretty much 2.5 million acres that are locked by a corner currently so it's a huge piece of land and like in the entire west we're talking 8.3 million acres that's you know three and a half yellowstone national parks like that's yeah that's, that's a crazy. huge piece of ground throughout the western states and so it was really interesting interesting to look into that from the data side and kind of figure out you know things like we're talking 27,000 corners, which is a ton, like that's huge. But when you start to break it down, we're looking at, you know, 11,000 private landowners who would be affected by some of this, something um, with corner locked. They're the ones when this issue comes up, they're the ones that are affected, obviously. Mm -hmm. Their land is the one that touches these corners and who, you know, uh, you know, and we'll dive into this a little bit later, but some of them have solutions for this problem and they've already done some solutions. And then there's some like the gentleman in Wyoming who has an issue with it and, you know, obviously took it to court. And so we really just wanted from the data side to get a better understanding of like, what, what are we talking from a land standpoint? Cause it's really easy to look at like a state like Wyoming and just pull the map up and be like, man, there's a lot of, you know, sections out there that are just a bunch like a checkerboard. And yeah. I really, you know, but I, I, I know there's a lot, but I can't quantify that. And so we tried to get some numbers around it and it was interesting. There was a lot of good stuff. And then even from there, we actually did some interviews from, you know, folks who were, pub, you know, hunt public land only. And they, you know, they've been following this issue very closely and, have a good perspective on it and then we also talk to some private landowners both who have some solutions that they've done to open up their land for corner crossing mm -hmm. and then we've also just talked to some landowners to get their perspective on you know wh where they stand on it and what issues do they see and so it was a pretty cool report it definitely took some time but we found out a ton of information you know just being able to actually like before we get into a solution it's a lot easier to actually find a solution when you know all the details of the issue at hand. And so we felt like for us, like, let's try to figure out how many acres, let's try to figure out like what issues there are. Like one main issue, a key issue in this whole thing is each state is being treated differently. And we touched on this briefly, but mm -hmm. it, we can't, it, there won't be something where we can just do like a blanket. It's open for everyone. Each state's going to interpret it the way they want. But if we can find some successes, states generally will adopt things, you know, especially from neighboring states. And so 
trying to find some ways, you know, there's groups like RMEF who have gone out and they've actually acquired some of this land and worked with landowners. And then there's also like state specific easement programs where maybe the landowner doesn't open up their entire piece, but they actually put an easement across these corners so that Mm -hmm. folks can cross and go hunt them. And so those were the things we really wanted to explore because they're the most, it's the most success we've seen to finding a solution. Right, right. Just a little clarification for people that are listening. Zach, I don't know if you know the answer or not, but you correct me if I'm wrong. When you're looking at that quote-unquote checkerboard, each one of those sections is what, 168 acres or something like that, or 162? Uh, 640. Once, oh, it's 640. 640. Okay, it's 640 acres, so, so it's, it's even yeah. better. Oh, yeah, that's right, because they're like almost like a square mile, right? Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. See, I would have been wrong. I was thinking about something else, different section. Yeah. So uh, okay. So so those I mean, you know, six hundred forty acres is you know, for some people, especially if you're coming from back east or the Midwest, that's a lot of land. Like, you know, that's like, oh, I Absolutely. can hunt that. And you know, you look at these maps and you look at these giant swaths of land and it's just one giant checkerboard, and you're like, well, all this is un- unobtainable to me because I really don't know if I can hunt here, if I'm going to be, if the animal is going to be on that, that checker that is, you know, uh, public or if it's going to go off the private or you're going to run into this issue where, and it's just, I don't know, like it's very uh, overwhelming, I guess. To, to It is for sure. And, and the fact, yeah, like no. you said, it's different in every state. There's no... There's no like real solid, <laughs> like what what should I do? What can I do type situation? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, and you're looking at it and I think um, yeah, this is a speculation, but I think there's folks who, where these come up and where folks start to, you know, start looking at corner clock lands is maybe they're, you know, you're talking antelope, mm-hmm. antelope, you're covering a lot of country, just looking for animals you see an animal and they happen to be in a checkerboarded area and they're on this private. So you're like, well, sweet. That would be a great spot. There's an animal right there right now. And so that's one way that they kind of figure it out. I think another way that we've heard just from our customers is like, they've been hunting a specific area and maybe it's not a spot that they're actually like trying to corner cross, but they've been hunting an area of bigger public, but then near that public is some corner locked lands and they happen to see that there's a lot of animals on there. I mean, if you think about it from a corner lock standpoint, mm-hmm. because so many people don't, you know, like it's something that a majority of people don't hunt, right. you know, they not like the individuals from. in Wyoming, that's, it's almost like a refuge for animals. Like mm-hmm. even if there are some people who are hunting it, whether it's from private access or whatever, there's less than just the grit, you know, like a piece of public that's right off the side of the road. And so, generally like you you might see more animals there and so that increases your interest in trying to figure out a way to get access and i think as we've seen this kind of boom in the west and a lot of folks going out west to hunt and you have technology that can show you exactly where you're at and be able to actually like conceptualize this land you start seeing animals on there of course hunters are going to want to try to find a way to get access to it and so i think that's why this issue has really came up, you know, over the last five or six years, it's, it's gotten a lot bigger. And that's why I don't think it's going to go away. Cause as you know, in yeah. the West, like hunting, 
there's plenty of interest to hunt the West right now. And there's a lot of folks doing it. And I think they're doing it. They're going out more days and hunting harder and longer. Mm-hmm. And as you have more people who are getting after it more, they're going to find these types of lands and there's going to be more interaction there. Right. Which I think is a Pandora's box because human nature, you know, there's going to be those guys that are, if there is a right way to do it. Okay. If there is, let's say that you're in a state where corner crossing is not a gray of an area and you know, you could do it pretty easily. You're going to have guys that are not going to be representative of the sportsman you know that's the nicest way i could put it they're going to be assholes is what they're going to do they're going to screw up they're going to do things that are not uh good for the public eye of of the hunting community and landowners are going to start complaining yeah and you're going yep. to and you're you going know, to lose access yeah and i mean you know and that goes on both both sides there's going to be bad eggs that ruin it for the rest and you know try like it'll make this perception that that's representative of the population Mm. which i don't believe it is and i think that's the most important thing with this one is like understanding that it is a complex issue and you know like trying to find a solution instead of just like brute force will i i you know i think it will it has shown to be successful like there's we have some examples in this report where it's not like it's, you know, all private landowners are against corner crossing because that's definitely not the case. And it's not like all public land hunters are just trespassing and destroying fences and stuff like that because that's not the case. However, that does exist. And so trying to find a way to, you know, almost self-police to make sure that doesn't happen, then it makes conversation a little easier because I do think this is going to be if we're going to find a solution, it's probably going to be a combination of working together with private landowners and, you know, public land advocates that are trying to hunt these corner cross lands and trying to find some solutions, you know, like even the state specific ones, like Montana BMAs, for example, I know that they try to prioritize getting private landowners who have some access to corner lock and just putting it in a BMA. And for folks listening, a BMA is, essentially private land that's open for public access. And so you can sign your name in on this card and then you can go access And mm-hmm. Some forms may just be an easement or some forms are opening up their whole land. But those are some examples of, you know, maybe not a permanent fix to this issue, but definitely something, you know, they generally do year to year leases. Some of them are five to 10 years, whatever, but Right. It will at least open it up and give folks access. And that's that's a perfect example of like a private landowner working with the general public to get access to these areas. I see those being successful or the ones that are successful. And I see the future ones being successful in those situations where like you say you got, I don't know, 4,000 acres of BLM trapped behind a bunch of public or private land. So people giving access to those across their land to that, the check, the checkerboard thing is the thing that I think is the big, is the big rub. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. Because for you're sure. essentially think, in the middle, you're on public land, but you're in the middle of private, you know, basically yeah, on, f- yeah. on four sides of you, you, know, you have, you have private land, you know, and it's just that little corner touching another corner. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think another interesting thing with this too, you know, just looking at it, like getting an idea of like the issue we're talking 11,000 private landowners, you know, for the entire West who would be affected by, or who is affected by corner crossing, like their land butts up to something that wouldn't be needed where that, you know, is right next to some sort of corner locked lands mm-hmm. of that. And I can't remember the exact stat I'm looking here, but of that, I believe it was 20% is timber, oil, and gas. And so they're more companies, mm, not right. necessarily for hunting and stuff. And so I think that's an interesting fact there because, you know, there are like some of these timber lands, like a Plum Creek or Warehouser or whatever. Warehouser, yeah, they actually, sure. they actually have access programs, you know, maybe mm-hmm. not in every single state, but it's actually a huge form of access. And so if you're looking at that, like they make up a huge portion of the corner cro- or locked lands. I think that's an interesting one. They've, yeah. they've already shown that they're opening, they're open to opening up access in some ways. And so, you know, maybe instead of like taking a huge bite out of the apple, we focus in and try to find where we can open up some where it just reduces conflict altogether. It's just like, yeah, you can access these areas because we own this and we've opened it up in some areas where it does have these corner lock lands and it's just easy. You're, you can hunt it all. And so trying to figure out some solutions there would be great. I think it's a good first step. And then I think the other thing too is just in general, as we have more interest and this keeps coming up, it will put pressure on state fish, wildlife and parks, BLM, state lands to, you know, address the issue and kind of find solutions and direction for everyone. Because right now, I think the, the toughest part with this whole thing is, as you were saying, it's so gray. It's right. so hard to understand, it's- like, what is what is legal and what's not. There is no clarification, you know. Yeah. Even even if you really difficult. go look for it, you'll get like the same. You'll get a different answer for, in in the same state from, you know, three different government agencies. Like you'll ask the police, and they'll tell you one thing, and you go ask Game and Fish, and they'll tell you another. And you know, it's like, yeah, it's it, it's it's kind of like I said earlier, overwhelming, and it as to what what yeah. is it no, you can legally do you know it's still yeah yeah for but. sure and that's you know from on x's standpoint like we know on x isn't going to be able to say yes you can or no you can't right and you know we have we have there's folks all over the place who have been telling us both sides and so really where we feel like we can be the most help is going to you know we have relationships with state agencies and government agencies and stuff like that is like, all right, we'll provide as much data as possible to help out in this conversation. And we will try to connect as many dots as we can to try to find a solution to this. And so really that's what we've been taking it is we'll get you all the information we can, whether it's corners, whether it's how many easements exist, how much land we're talking per state. And we'll provide this to anyone who wants it and try to help move this conversation forward. I'm gonna switch gears just a touch. It's it, it goes hand in hand with this, and I, you just brought up something about you guys getting involved. 
one of the things that's the most frustrating for me is I'm looking at on X and I'm driving down a road that's public road. It's a county road, whatever it is. And I get 10 miles down the road and I hit a locked gate because this road, even though it's supposed to be public, goes through Billy Bob's 10,000 acre ranch and he's got it locked there. So now I have to go all the way back out, find a different route around. I wasn't going to let the hunt on Billy Bob's, but I needed this road to get to that giant chunk of, you know, forest service or whatever. I, yeah, that, that to me is the most frustrating thing. Like, I don't know, this might be a, a feature that you guys could add is, but I don't know how, how, you know, you'd access that information other than maybe putting something on the maps and I thought about this a couple of times with other with other situations, like having a feature like, well, okay, like how iPhone works, like I, iMaps works or Google Maps, I think works like this too, but on, on, on an Android or something where it knows that there's traffic up ahead. Why? Because there's 20 other people with iPhones stuck in that, you know, they're slowed down and it knows. But maybe having like a feature where, if you come across something like this, you could put that in and now you guys have that information, you know, like a, like a user feedback type solution. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. And this is definitely one that comes up a lot, you know, roads, Mm -hmm. roads are very tough to maintain the information. So, you know, we get our information from various different sources from state to the government to private land everything and so trying to put together all these roads is very tough and it's definitely something there's nothing more frustrating than when you're looking at a large piece and then it's got a gate there sometimes that gate is actually you know that road turns private you can't access and sometimes it's just a landowner that's posting it and it's actually a public access way and so we've been really trying to get even more updated roads on and you know for us like hunt has been our legacy product it's been around Mm. for 12 years and that's the focus however we do have an off-road product and the off-road folks use roads all the time Mm -hmm. and so that's been something that's been a big focus for them is getting more clarity on not even just can i access these roads and what types of roads are they but also like what types of rigs do i need to get on these roads some of them have restrictions from you know width and also just like knowing the terrain and getting that information and so the nice thing is is that being such a focus for off-road hunt's going to be able to benefit from that and get that information and like to your point having folks being able to say what type of land it is or what type of road it is Mm -hmm. but then also you know having a google-esque routing that can help you show like what's the best way i want to get to this point Mm -hmm. so those are definitely things we're working on cool i think a key component to this is there's a project we worked on with TRCP that we pushed for, or we tried to get pushed forward to legislation in Congress was it's called the Maplands Act. And so mm-hmm. the idea is all these different counties, they have the information within their county from the roads and everything there. The problem is, is a lot of counties don't digitize that information. And if it's not digitized, then it's very difficult to update and just understand. And so we're trying to push to get this information so they have to digitize it so then we can actually see 
what we're working with and get this stuff up. So then that way we can have the most accurate records for you when you're hunting to know that is a public road. There should not be a gate on it. Therefore you can call, you know, fish, wildlife and parks or that state agency or whatever, get that issue addressed. And then we can get that gate off. Or if it's a private road, we can know, Hey, this turns private right here and there's a gate and you can't access any further. And so that's definitely a big piece that we're working on here is, trying to get the level of accuracy that we have on land ownership for our roads and trails because you know yes when we're hunting we're trying to get away from roads and trails because that's typically where the hunters are Mm -hmm. however you still need them to access these areas you're going and it's super relevant even for like corner crossing because there's a lot of areas like where you can you know get access to some of this stuff already so it appears you would have to corner cross it, but maybe there's a road that actually takes you in there and gets you access to some of that. Right, right. See, I come across a lot uh, when I was doing a lot of public land hunting in South Dakota. I had that issue a lot where, and, and it's typically BLM, but uh, I mean, some state land, but mostly BLM is just giant chunk of BLM. And you're like, okay. How do I get there? Then you go down and start going down a road. You can't get through there. And eventually there is one that takes you in there, but it's not like. You got to know which one it is. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And and it's just, uh, it's, it's again, super frustrating. And I mean, it's kind of part of, (laughs) of course, this is a double-edged sword too. You know, like you're, the guys that are willing to put the effort into figuring that out, you know, then they reap the benefits of having a honey hole that may not have that many people in it, you know? Yeah. To yeah hunt. So sure. it's kind of like, like I, I say this because it's something I would love to have, but at the same time, it's one of those things like once you have it, everybody else is going to have it. And yeah, you yep. know, uh, it may not be, uh, that as beneficial, but yeah. we did, we do need more places to hunt because, Listen, land—they're not making it anymore. So, no, no. <laughs> and 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 the opportunity keeps going down, further down and down. Um, so it is—it is a necessary evil. We we definitely yes. need to figure out how to get into these places and how to utilize these areas that are not being—they might be utilized by a couple people, but not by more people. It needs it needs more more usage because. Otherwise, everybody's just going to be stuck in the same uh, in the same zones and units and and, and areas that uh, that are easily accessible. And then that's not good for the wildlife. Overpressured, not good for the hunting. Um, so, yeah, no, no, for sure. And I definitely resonate. You know, I get customers all the time who are frustrated with Onyx because before Onyx they had put the work in and found these honey holes, whether it's like, you know, you're talking about that obscure kind of access into BLM where it's actually a path that they have already. That's public access. It's a, you know, direct route that may only be a hundred yards wide and they found that. And then now once on X came, everyone sees it. And so I resonate with those people. I, I, I want to be empathetic because I completely understand their frustration. And for us, you know, like it was one of those things where, our founder, when he did it, he was like, I know there's so much public land out here, but I just don't know exactly where I'm at on this public land, especially if it's like a obscure piece that's kind of hard to tell 
Mm-hmm. It's it's very difficult. And the last thing people want to do when they're hunting is be worried. You know, like it's supposed to be like a stress free thing. Right. And you don't want to be worrying about knowing which land you're on. And so for us, we definitely like we're empathetic with those folks. We that was not our goal was to expose those areas. Really, our goal was to highlight here's some additional opportunities you can go and try to disperse people. You know, if someone's at your spot, like a lot of times we see this, you know, I hear it a lot where it's like this section that a corner actually touches a road and it's most folks were too nervous to actually go hunt it because they didn't know exactly where that corner crossed. Now with OnX, you can see, yeah, I'm right on this BLM or state and I can go hunt it. And so now, you know, with that, if someone's there, our goal is to at least be able to help identify a couple other options so you can go find a different spot to get away from hunters. And so try to highlight as much land as possible. So then that way, if someone's there, it's too crowded, animals aren't there, whatever, mm-hmm. you can find another option and be confident to go hunt it. But I do just want to note, like, I completely hear people's frustrations in that when they've done the work to find it. And now it's a little bit easier to find. That is something that was, you know, we didn't foresee that problem coming up when the app first came out. At that point, it was like, there's so much land that's underutilized because people don't know how to access it. We just want to be able to, you know, show folks like how much actual land you have that you could potentially go on. Right. Exactly. It's, um, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult place to be in, uh, this day and age is a difficult to be, a a hunter or a sportsman and you know you're faced with all these these issues that have implications where i feel like when we were well at least i don't know how old you are but when i was younger and and part of it was because you're younger you're not thinking that far ahead but it wasn't it wasn't so difficult like it to make a decision to do something like I, I don't know if I'm explaining myself right but like now it's like you want to you want to move forward and try to get like more ac- more access and and build this technology better so that it's it helps everybody like we were just talking about but you have to really think about what that means for the future yeah I, if I'm explaining myself right I don't know but, uh, I'm having a hard time finding the words to to ex- to express what I'm trying to get at here, but I, I just we're in an interesting time. Like I feel like being everything is like out in the open. Everything's on social media. Everything is like so. E- even as, aside from what we were talking about specifically, like everything you do and you put out there now has a greater consequence than it did before. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 For sure. It's uh, everything is a lot more just mainstream. And it's, you know, like just the hunting industry in general. Like, even in my time at OnX, it has gotten so much bigger and just so much, you know, like social media is such a powerful tool. Right. And in some ways, so great. And in some ways, so terrible. Oh, it's, and, I think it's the best and worst thing that ever happened to the world. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, it gets information out there so much. It makes everything so mainstream. And I think, you know, it's just, as this is happening, there's just more and more awareness around these issues and both, you know, positive information and negative information and, Mm -hmm. you know, various degrees of accuracy of that information on there. And I think, you know, the biggest thing with it is like, 
there are some ways that, you know, folks can be more, I guess, more confident in these. And that's, you know, do the research, figure out in the state you're at, like, what type of land are you working with? What are the access points? Talk to the game wardens, talk to the state agencies, get as much information you can. So then that way, like, you're up front. And then also on top of that, like, talk to, you know, like a lot of times these state orgs will take comment periods and stuff like that. Like, go to them and make your voice heard. You know, it's one of those things, you know, like John, you and I were talking about this with stuff unrelated to landlock, but just like right. hunting issues in general. Yep. There's so many issues that are coming up and there's good entities out there like how for wildlife we're spreading awareness on it. But the one thing that doesn't happen that I think that organization does a good job of is us as hunters, we need to actually make our voices heard. And so like Montana had a couple comment periods and stuff like that recently and the participation was terrible the amount of folks who actually went in to those meetings to actually give a comment was so low for mm-hmm. something that so many people were fired up for and i think that's one of those things where it's just like you know if we do want to find a solution to any of these issues like we got to make sure we're participating and so whether that's writing in or that's attending one of these meetings for hearing like we definitely need to make sure we're doing something to have our voices heard. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Because otherwise, somebody else's voice is going to be doing the speaking for you. Yes, you exactly. Know? And it's it's just we have power in numbers, and you know it's it's hard to expect change if you don't try to do something about it. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, and you know, you mentioned health and wildlife. I like we we have been trying to hammer that home since you know since we started is that we have to be activists we have to be involved you have to be that the time for sitting back and uh being quiet and just relying on it that it's your right or whatever your you know justification is for it is over social media you mentioned it it's so powerful it's like i kind of uh this is a good way to put it i was talking to a friend the other day about yelp and most people know what yelp is but for those of you who don't uh, it's an app that you voice your opinion on restaurants and businesses and so on and so forth most people you're more apt to you're more likely to go voice your opinion about something when you've had a bad experience because you want to hear your you want somebody to hear your your frustration and you're less likely to go say something nice because you had a great time or it was enjoyable or whatever the case may be so we look at these things like these apps like yelp and we're trying to discern where we're going to go eat, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and and the reality of it is it's like, man, is this, does this place have, you know, this many good reviews or this many bad reviews because those are only the people that wanted to say something about it. Like, so you can't like, how do you really justify like what's good and what's, it's not like you went around and you said, okay, this was the 10,000 people that went there. And I pulled those ten thousand people. That's a diff- that's a different statistic than 
what's being presented. And yeah, what's being presented is the same thing that's going on what you were just talking about, that participation. It's only those people that are going out to bitch about it and you know, oh, we don't want to see bear hunting. We don't want to see this. We don't want to see that. Whatever the case may be. And that is what the laws and rules are being made from. From that, who may may or may not be the majority thought, but that's what, you know, it's being, <laughs> the the policy is being comprised from, is from, from yeah. that. You know, so we've, we've really tried to get people involved and, you know, try to hit home with, Hey, you need to show up. You want to, you want to keep hunting you, you, you bitching about it on Facebook to, to the choir, to the rest of the people that feel the same way that you do is, is not helping. You're not doing anything, (laughs) you know, those people that don't know your situation, that don't understand what it is to be a sportsman or, or what it is that you're doing. Those are people that need to know and and they, they need to have both sides so they can decide whether they want to be over here or they want to be over there. And yeah, it's, it's a, (laughs) it's a very interesting, that's why, you know, what we were touching on, but I don't want to get too political about or too in depth about social media, but one of my biggest rubs with it is that it gives, it gives people, a voice it gives everybody a voice and not necessarily people who deserve to have a voice does that make sense i don't know but yeah what no else? no yeah definitely and it you know and i think the thing with social media is it whether you know any message it it can build off you know someone posts something and then someone responds and they agree and right it just inherently it that message grows. Oh yeah, because the algorithm or negative finds like-minded. People. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so it's you know, but again, like that message for whatever it is, it might not be getting delivered to the right people that actually can make a change to whatever mm-hmm. is being discussed at that point. And so I think that's where it's so important. You know, if we're talking hunting specific issues, like take your thoughts and send those to the people at power who can actually help figure out this solution, you know, whether that's a state representative or state, you know, game and fish agency, whatever it may be, like they're not trolling through social on all the comments. Like, no, no. Yeah. They might see it if it's on their actual social platform, but even then that's just a social comment. That's not like an actionable comment coming from an individual person. And so sending those directly to them will be much more effective. Exactly. Yeah. You have to reach the actual decision makers to affect change. Exactly. So, yeah, for sure. No. And I mean, this is one, like, again, you know, you and I'll probably be talking about this one five years from now, but I do think the biggest thing around it is like, get as much information as you can on it and make your opinion, like be able to talk to, you know, Right into on X of things you want to see or right into RMEF or state agencies to try to find ways to open this up. Or the other thing, too, is just like coming at it from an educated stance. I bet you will have a better chance of talking to a private landowner and asking them, hey, can I cross? Can right. I get access and permission to cross this? Being empathetic with their situation and being educated on it 
I bet you'll have a better, um, a better odds of actually just having a conversation with them to see if you can get access to cross these corners. Absolutely. You know, coming from, I was born in New York, if you couldn't tell, um, back East, there's no, barely any public land at all, unless you're, you know, like way upstate New York or whatever. But so we did a lot of door knocking and you, you gotta, you know, it's all about presenting yourself in a manner that is not going to be one threatening to the, to the landowner and, and two, that they're going to feel comfortable that you're not going to abuse the land and you're going to buy by their rules. And, you know, the little tip that I've always done is I carried a waiver with me because we're in such a Sue happy world now that, um, a lot of landowners don't want to deal with the fact that if they let somebody on and they get hurt, they might get sued. So, you know, bringing something like that with you helps. And yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's just the thing, like for you, like you're educated on that. You understand that's a problem for landowners. And so it's like, here, I've taken the steps to help alleviate that issue for you. Right. Exactly. So, well, cool, man. Um, I don't know. I kind of took us off topic a little bit, but <laughs> I, I was a little all over the place with you. But I, I think we no, uh, we, no, we brought I, some light. We brought some light to the subject anyway. Yeah. No. Absolutely. It's. Uh, I appreciate the conversation, and you know, for us, like we have, like if you haven't had a chance, check out that landlocked report. There's a ton of different. Sorry. There's a landlocked and a corner locked report. Two different issues, but both around public lands that are tough to access check those out get information from it ask us any questions you want and you know from on stance this is something that's a huge priority for us we're focused on access and the best way we think we can help is get this information and something that we're still working on with state or agencies private agencies trying to find ways that we can open it up and just get more awareness around the actual facts on this and try to find some sort of solution so Definitely check those out. Feel free to reach out to us if you have questions. And yeah, I really appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. And uh, and I uh, want to thank OnX again for becoming a, a partner of Halfa Wildlife. We uh, certainly enjoy that and uh, are happy that you guys are on and love, uh, love having partners of stuff that I use personally and uh enjoy yeah. so <laughs> yeah nice. no definitely looking forward to that you guys are doing great work there and we're excited just to you know find ways that we can actually get folks educated and engaged in these issues because they're super super important for the future of hunting absolutely absolutely well thanks again and uh we'll talk to you soon yeah thanks john hey guys thanks for checking out the show really appreciate you keep those reviews and those comments coming helps us keep this free do me a favor go check out phoenix shooting bags use promo code john stallone to save 20 percent, all one word and check out how for wildlife thank you very much and we'll catch you on the next show